it is weather fit for neither man nor beast out there. It is, it's bad, but here we are, so it's awesome to be together. Hey, if you are new or newer with us, we're really thankful that you're part of this service this weekend. Thanks for coming. Um, we would love to meet you. If you haven't let us know that you're here, that you're around at Christ Community, um, we would love the opportunity to say hello. If you're in the room, um, what we would ask of you is when this service is over, if you just walk out, there's a welcome desk out there, and um, if you would give us your contact information, we have a guest, we have a gift for you. And um, what we'll do with your contact information is we will reach out to you, we'll contact you, but it's just see how we could pray for you, if we could answer any questions about our church, help you connect, plug in, like just how we could serve you in that. And those of you who are online, um, if you would hit the connect button, that'll take you to our digital connect card. And if you'll fill that out, same thing, we'll connect with you and however we could serve you, we'd love to be able to do that. Um, so again, really excited that you're with us this weekend. This is week two. Uh, in the new year, and also in this new series that we're in that's called, First of All, Pray. Uh, we believe in Christ's community, we believe prayer is one of the very few first things in our lives that God has given to us and called us to this being a first thing. So it's first thing in the day, first thing in the week, first thing when something happens. I'm mean, like, prayer is a first thing for us as a church. And we believe as we take our next steps in being people who pray, there's so much good that God has for us and so much good that God is willing to do through us. So we're taking this first series of the new year and exploring some themes on prayer together. And so this weekend we're gonna talk about, and using a little phrase that the Bible gives called praying earnestly. So I'm gonna talk to you today about praying earnestly. And that little phrase comes out of the Bible in a little letter towards the back. It was written by the Apostle James. It has his name, um, Book of James, and. I'm gonna start, we're gonna read some verses from James chapter five, and these verses, there are some incredible claims made about prayer and about what happens when people pray. And so we're just gonna kinda read through this, explore it a little bit, and then talk through some examples from the Bible, and, and then ask some questions at the end about how these things might help us move forward as people who pray. So if we could jump in, James chapter five, starting in verse 13. The Apostle James writes to, to first century believers in Jesus and to, to us, 21st century believers in Jesus. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. So confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so I, I just wanna stop right here because I read that line about the prayer of a righteous person being powerful and effective. It sounds like, okay, so we got the righteous people could pray and some of those things that we just read might happen. So, so what, what's like? Who's a righteous person? What is this? What is this deal about being righteous? So, so righteous is really just it's about being right from God's perspective. It's about it's about somebody who who is being made right by God. And so, so this is not something that is just for the few, for the people who've been around for a while. Like this is this is something that's for everybody. A righteous person is, is somebody who's saying yes to God through Jesus. They're receiving what God is giving to them. 
through Jesus is somebody who is exercising the faith that they have. It's somebody who is spiritually sensitive. They're paying attention to their spiritual life. They're paying attention to who God is revealing himself to be to them and, and what he's calling them to do. There's somebody who is, who's interested in what God has in front of them and, and who is like pursuing and discovering God's greater purpose for their life and living that out. The things that we talk about on weekends, that's a righteous person. And I just wanted to make sure that we all get it here at the very beginning of this, that this idea of, of the prayer of a righteous person being powerful and effective, like that's for you. You don't have to be, you don't have to be a longtime Christian. Like the, the righteous people, a righteous person could be somebody who's young. It could be somebody who's new in their faith. It could be somebody who's been around for a while. Like it, it's, it could be all of us. And so this, this prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And we read in these verses that this is like the, the things that prayer does for us, it's incredible. Like prayer really is a lifeline. If anybody's in trouble, if you're in trouble, what do you do? You pray. And if somebody's sick, what do you do? You call the elders of the church, they'll anoint them with oil, and prayer raises them up. Like there's healing available to us in prayer. And in prayer, sins can be forgiven. And, and somebody could, like you could live free of guilt and shame and condemnation in your life, and you could walk forward without the bondage and the shackles of the sin that holds you down and holds you back. Like there's so many, there are amazing things that happened to us and for us in prayer. And so I'm reading along, I don't know how you are, but when I'm reading this, I'm reading along, I'm reading these verses, of these claims of, of what could happen when people pray, of what could happen in my life and what could happen through me. And I am just, I hear that kind of stuff, and I am just cynical enough to say, okay, like, could you prove this? Could you give me an example of where this has happened somewhere? And so, so I think the next verses that we're gonna read as we just kind of reading through these things that James has written, I think these next verses are written for people like me. So he, he has an example for us. This is down in verse 17 and 18. Elijah. So Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. So this is an example. So Elijah is a guy from ancient history. He's a, he's a man from Jewish history. This is like this story that I'm gonna explore a little bit with this in a minute. It's, it's not just the Bible story. Like this is a historical event. This is a historical reality. And so the apostle James was a Jewish guy and he's writing about the power of prayer and what happens when righteous people pray earnestly. And, and so he dips into the history of the people of his history and the history of the people who were reading this letter the first time. And he gives this example of this guy named Elijah. And, and he says about him, Elijah, he was human, like us. Like he, was, he was human, like us. Now he was a righteous guy. He was righteous. He was he was right with God, he was receiving the righteousness that God was giving to him and he was spiritually sensitive and he was paying attention and he was exercising the faith that he had. He was a righteous guy, but he was, he was just the guy. He was, he was a human being like you and me and, and he prayed earnestly and there was no rain in the area for three and a half years. 
he, he prayed. So, like, so you hear as we're talking about prayer, you hear the kinds of things we're talking about, right? I mean, you hear, you hear about, about people being in sick, being given a lifeline, being, people in trouble being given a lifeline by God, people who are sick being healed and raised up by God, people who are bound in sin being set free by God. I'm like this, and, and then we throw this in here. For, he prayed, and for three and a half years, there's no rain. It was a three and a half year drought, and then at the end of three and a half years, he prays again, and God gives rain. And so this is the example for cynics like me about, okay, so wait a minute, there's, there's something available to us in prayer, how, how do we know this? And so, so I've done a little work to explore in this Elijah, a guy like us, and, and this prayer, what is this? I'm like, because he prayed earnestly and, and closed the skies and prayed earnestly again and they opened. So, so there's something to this praying earnestly thing. So what is that? So, so I walked back and prep for our time together. History, 1 Kings, which is one of the Old Testament books of the Bible, ancient history, history of the ancient Jewish nation. 1 Kings chapter 17. So there's, there's actually no information for us about this prayer that shut the skies. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse one, Elijah makes an announcement that it's not gonna rain. And he talks to an evil king and just says, hey, the skies are closed, it's not gonna rain. And, and there's no record of the prayer that he prayed. There's, there's no record of the time that he spent with God where he said, hey God, would you, would you close the skies? Would there be a famine or a drought in the land? And God said yes to that, like there's, there's no record. All we read is just this announcement that he makes. And, and so we don't know about the prayer to close the skies. There's a little bit of information for us in that chapter about the prayer where the skies open. And so we ought to look at that together because again, there's something to this righteous people praying earnestly and, and things change. So in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 42 and 43, so this is, this is the prayer that reopens the skies. So Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, which is kind of a mountain, kind of a big hill in ancient Israel, and you can see out over the plains. And, and so he climbs to the top of Carmel. He bent down to the ground. He put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there, servant said. So seven times Elijah said, go back. And the seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So there's not a lot of information here. <laughs> there's nothing about what Elijah said in this prayer. Like we, don't, we don't have any, any information about what he said, or if he said anything out loud. Did he pray out loud? Did he pray in his mind? Did he, did he have any emotion? Did he, other than like putting his head between his knees, and was he standing up when he did that? Was he down on the ground when he did? We just, there's so much we don't know. And, and yet, this is, this is the event that James points back to and says, hey, you wanna know? 
that things change when righteous people pray with earnestness. Like this, is, this is the example he points back to. So, so as we look at this example from, from Elijah's life, praying earnestly, I think there's three things. As I've looked at this, there's three things I think we can know from this. And so I'm, I'm kind of holding on to these three things. The first, Elijah really cared about this. That the skies would open back up were really important to him. So the, the, the sky's closing, the, the prayer for the drought. The purpose of that prayer was because the people, God's people, were, were not paying any attention to him. They weren't interested in him. They, they weren't listening to him. They weren't living his way. The, the leadership of the nation of Israel at that time was leading people astray. And really, so the prayer to close the skies, the purpose for the prayer to close the skies was so that God's people would give God their attention. And in three and a half years of drought, there's no rain in an agrarian society. God had their attention. Like they, God had their attention. And so now, now, three and a half years later of the drought, it's really important. Like this, the skies opening back up, God giving rain, like that's really gonna be a faith building moment for some people. And it's, it's gonna be an opportunity for Elijah to, to speak and to give him credibility. And Elijah cares for himself. And he cares for the people he loves. I mean, like he really cares that, that this happens. He cares about this. And I think his, his deep care for this is part of praying earnestly. But it's, I think it's hard to pray earnestly for stuff you don't really care about. And, and we don't have to care about everything. And you don't have to care about things, the same things I do in prayer. Like it's, it's but it's, it's really hard to pray earnestly about things that you, you don't really care about. And, and the things we care about, like we've got a big step forward in, in praying earnestly for them. And so the first thing from Elijah that he really cared about this, the second thing, he expected things to change right now. I, I, like I am challenged by this, inspired by it, I love it. He bent over or bowed down to pray and we don't know how long that first time that he told his servant to go look for a cloud. We don't know how long that was, but he told his servant to go look for a cloud. He was, he was expecting that his prayer would be answered now. And so he was part of praying earnestly, I think, is, is expecting that something is gonna happen and not that it's gonna happen someday off in the future that surely God's gonna hear and move and over time and with other experts. To, the, this earnest prayer is, there is a sense of expectancy in it that, that I'm gonna pray for rain and it is gonna rain today. And so, so he prayed expecting things to change right now and then the third thing is that he prayed until something happened. Like he just, he stayed in front of the Lord on this. Cause he sent his servant seven times, right? Go, is there, no, there's no cloud. Okay, here I, I'm back at this and I really would love to watch this on video. I wish we had a video of this, we could see it and hear it. What was being said, like how this whole thing was going down. But seven different times he sent his servant and and he stayed there until there was a cloud. He stayed there until the rain was coming. And, 
And that's part of earnest prayer. Is, like, he didn't give up. He didn't pray once and then walk away. I sent that to heaven. Let's just let it sit up there and see if God finds it. And when he does, maybe something will happen about it. Like, he prayed until something happened because he really cared about this. He really cared about this and he expected something to be different in response to his prayer. And so he stayed in front of the Lord until something changed. And so, so this is what we know from, from Elijah and from this earnest prayer that James points back to and says, hey, the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. Elijah's a person just like you and me, righteous person, but he's a person just like you and me. He prayed and the skies closed and he prayed again and the skies opened up. He prayed earnestly and God heard and responded and moved in power in answer to his prayers. So we learn that he really caring about something, expecting things, there's a faith, expecting things to change right now and staying in front of God until things are different. So that's, that's, that's what Elijah teaches us. And as I was processing this, again, prepping for our time together, there's a story that Jesus told that kind of lines up along this way and, and maybe takes us a step or two closer to understanding this praying earnestly thing. So Jesus tells this story and it's recorded for us in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. And I think it's the only, it's the only story Jesus told that's recorded for us where, where the Gospel writer tells us why, like tells us the point of the story before we ever get to it. So I'm really grateful for it. It's really un- easy to understand. So Luke 18, starting in verse one, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. All right, so that's, that's the point here. And, and Elijah, on his face or with his head between his knees, however that all looked, like he stayed before the Lord until something happened. So Jesus tells this story to reinforce this idea for us that, that we should pray and not give up. So here's the story. In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. So Jesus tells this story and then, and then he says, To his disciples, he says, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. And so in this this little story here, the widow, this widow lady who, she's been wronged. She's held out by Jesus as, as the example for us. Like she's, she's offered to us as the person that we're supposed to be like. And, and I think we're like her in maybe more ways than we initially know. So just to start with, she is, she is humble. She's humble. She, she has been wronged and she admits that she needs help. There's something in her life that is not right and and she's not looking for a way to take matters into her own hands. She's not looking to herself and to her own resources to fix this thing. 
she, she has humility and willingness to admit, hey, I need some help. She's vulnerable. In, in that culture, in that day, a widow was particularly vulnerable. That's why Jesus picks a widow in this. She didn't have, she didn't have any covering. She didn't have anybody to, to protect her or to avenge her. She is vulnerable and she is at the mercy of somebody who would be willing to step into her life and help. And so she's this humble person who is really vulnerable and she is, she is tenacious. <laughs> she, she's tenacious in asking for the help that she needs. Like she just continues, she continues to go back. Day after day she goes back and continues to act. Like she's, she's gonna keep asking until something happens. And so she continues day after day to go back and ask for help. And then the other thing that I noticed about her is that she is, she is impatiently patient. She's impatiently patient. She's waiting. She's waiting, but she's not just, she didn't just go to the judge one time and then leave that request there and go home to wait for this. She continues to move towards this judge who, who has not yet answered her plea, and she's waiting for him to move. She's not taking matters into her own hands, but she is, she is in front of him on a regular basis, and she, she is impatiently patient. Now, this judge, this judge that Jesus has painted in this picture, he is exactly the opposite of who God is. He's, Jesus expects that the people who are listening to this story know something about God, and this judge is exactly the opposite of how God is. He, he doesn't care about people, right? He doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't know God and doesn't care about God and what God thinks, and he doesn't care about people and doesn't care what people think. He, Jesus said that about him, and the judge says that about himself in, in this story. Like he, does, he doesn't care. He doesn't care if he's doing a good job. He doesn't care if he's doing right. He's only, he's only caring about himself. And Jesus tells this story about this widow that like, she just stays in front of him humble, tenacious, patiently impatient, and she, and she persuades him. And, and the point is, if, if that persistence could persuade a person who is evil and doesn't care, how much more? How much more would it persuade God who is good and who is right and who does care? And so Jesus tells this story to say, hey, we should be the kind of people who pray and don't give up because God hears our prayers and cares about us and he too comes to our rescue. And then Jesus wraps this whole thing up, this little question. And this, this question is kind of arresting, but he, he wraps this whole thing up with this question. However, when the Son of Man comes, remember when Jesus uses that title, Son of Man, he's talking about himself. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So if you were here last week, we talked about how time is short. And because time is short, that adds urgency to our prayers. And time is short in that we all, like our lives are like a, a breath, like a vapor. And so time is short for each one of us, but also, spiritually speaking, time is short because Jesus said when he went back to heaven, he says, I'm coming soon. Like, my coming is right around the corner. And so Jesus is talking now, and he says, hey, okay, so that, that soon coming, um, 
when I come back, am I gonna find faith on the earth? And, and the question he's really asking when he asks that question is, because there is often delay between the prayer and the answer, what happens in that delay is either we find faith and keep moving in, or we give up and we pull back. And, and so Jesus is asking the question of just acknowledging that there's the request and there is often delay, and then there is an answer and he's wondering if when I come back, am I gonna find people who pray? Or am I gonna find people who give up in prayer? And, and I think that's a really important question for people like you and me who have an opportunity to be righteous and to have prayers that are powerful and that are effective and that are for us and that are for the people we love and into the community and the world in which we live that, that, that matter. You know, prayer that, prayer that sick people get well, prayer that people who are in trouble get a lifeline, prayer for people who are trapped in sin find freedom. I mean, our prayer matters. And, and there is prayer and there is often delay and then there's an answer and Jesus is just wondering when I come back, am I gonna find people who pray or people who give up? And, and so, as so we just kinda, like how do we wrap all this up and how do we pull all these things together? What, what I did for us is, I've got just a handful of, of questions maybe to, to prayerfully consider about yourself and, and maybe to, maybe this is for prayerful reflection, maybe this is for conversation for your family, conversation with your small group. But I think these, these are important questions. So if I could just kind of ask them for us and then we can process them through the week and let that go where God takes us. So the first question, am I receiving righteousness from God and letting him make me into a righteous person? Right, because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective and the righteous people are not just the people who've been in this for a long time and who know a lot of stuff and whatever. You could be a righteous person and it's available to each one of us because this righteousness is a gift to us from God through Jesus and so am I, am I willing, like am I receiving that? And am I, am I letting God make me into a righteous person? You can't make yourself righteous, I can't make myself or you righteous. Like this is, this is God's work in your life and you and I get to be spiritually sensitive and listen to him and cooperate with him and exercise the faith that he's given to us. And so I think this is a really important question as we start this idea of praying earnestly so that our prayers are powerful and effective. Is, am, I, am I receiving this righteousness that God wants to give to me through Jesus and am I letting him make me into a righteous person? That's, I think that's the first question to wrestle with. Second question, do I have righteous people in my life who will pray for me? because we need them, right? we need them. We need, if the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective and, and righteous people pray for others and they receive lifeline in troubled situations, they receive healing when they're sick and they receive forgiveness for their sins and being set free, 
you need righteous people in your life who will pray for you. Do you, have, do you have people in your life who are willing to pray for you? And if you don't, do you recognize that need and do you have that desire? Like, would you step in that and step towards that? Best place to start around here, we have small group ministry. And that's, that's the best starting place to, to find those kinds of friends where they'll be a righteous person for you and you could be a righteous person for them and step in. So like you could, we could be people who pray for each other. And when righteous people pray, powerful things happen. And so, so do you have people in your life, do you have righteous people in your life who are willing to pray for you? The third question, in my prayers, am I exercising the faith that God has given me? Faith's always a gift, so I'm, I'm not trying to push you into some faith that you don't have or tell you your faith's not enough and so you need to find it or go manufacture it somehow. God gives you faith, faith is always a gift and we get to exercise it. And in, in my prayers, am I exercising the faith that God has given me? Like, like could, could you just think back with me to Elijah? We don't have a record of the prayer for the skies to close, but we have a little bit of what he prayed for the skies to open. The faith, the faith that he's exercising in that moment, the, the risk, like the spiritual risk for himself and, and for the people who, are, who he has influence with and his willingness to speak about what God is gonna do and, and pray into that and Am I exercising the faith that God has given me in my prayers, or do I play it safe? Do I play it safe? Do I pray little prayers that if, if nothing happens, like if God doesn't show up, it really doesn't matter that much, either to me or to somebody who might hear me pray? Are you exercising, are we exercising the faith that God has given to us in our prayers. So I, the tendency is to play it safe. And I, I don't know why we do that, maybe to protect ourselves from disappointment if God doesn't answer in the way we think or in the time that we had hoped, or to protect the reputation of God and somebody that hears us pray. I don't know, but our tendency, our natural tendency is, is to pray smaller prayers. And I think, I think there's opportunity here. God, there's an invitation here from God, to step in and to exercise the faith that he has given you in your prayers. So in our prayers, am I exercising the faith that he's given to me? Number four, do I expect things to change because I'm praying about them? Do we expect things to change because we're praying about them? Or do we expect things to change because sometimes things get better with time or there's somebody else who's gonna be working on this and speaking into this, or we just don't know. I, like again, I'm really challenged and inspired by go look for a cloud. You know, go look for, no, no cloud, go, just a minute, go look again. And, and, and do we have a, an expectation that God hears and answers our prayers and and do I expect things to change like now, today, because I'm praying about them? And, and while we acknowledge and we recognize that there's often a delay between prayer and answer, not always. Not always, or, 
or there's movement that you could see in the meantime. And so, so do we expect, do we expect God to do things because we're asking him to? The prayers, so he tells us, the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. And so on his word, I think we have this, we have this opportunity to say, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna pursue and receive that righteousness that you're offering to me, and, and now I'm leaning in and I'm expecting some things to be different because I'm praying about them. So do we expect these things? And then this last question is today. Just today, where, where you are, wherever you are today, are, are you more of a person who prays or right now are you a person who's given up on your prayers? And again, that, this isn't, this isn't for shame or for condemnation or for guilt. This is just for, hey, where are we? You know, where are we? And maybe we need to own some stuff so that we could go forward in that. But Jesus told that story about the widow who moved the wicked judge and then says, how much more could, could you be persistent with your good father who loves you and who who moves towards you and moves things in response to your prayers if you'll just stay in front of him and stay after him. And so, so today, where are you in this? Are you, are you a person who's, here I am again, Lord, and we're gonna talk about this again. Here I am again, Lord, and we're gonna talk this again. Or, or have you kind of gotten discouraged and, and pulled back, and pulled back? And so, so if that's you, if you're a person who's pulled back right now, could I just like, could I say to you, Prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. And Elijah was, he was just a guy. He was just a human being like you and, and like me. He was just a human being like you. And he prayed earnestly. And, and God moved heaven and earth in response to his prayers. And that could be for you. That could be for you. So, so could we wrap this time up? But could I... Could I just pray for us that we would be people of prayer? Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? And then after I pray, Ezra will come out and conclude our service. So Heavenly Father, we honor you today as the God who sees and who hears and who knows. And you have given us this gift and this privilege of prayer to, for our good, for the good of the people who are around us so that we can experience you and your movement in our lives. And we're saying yes to that. So, so would you call us forward as people who pray? We, we are not people who give up. We, we are people who always pray. And, and we are claiming your promise that the prayers of righteous people are effective and powerful. So thank you for, for hearing us and for coming to our aid and for, for moving on our behalf. And of course, this reflects on you for your honor and for your glory. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, all of this comes to us through you. So we're really grateful and we pray these things in your name, amen. Amen, thank you, Daryl. So uh, we are in our second week of a six-week prayer series, and we want to give you tangible ways that you can step into this every week, uh, next steps, if you will, just ways that you can exercise your prayer muscle. We have a couple ways that we can do that together. So if you were here last week when we launched the series, we talked about a 40-day uh, prayer 
time for us as a church. And we are following the Christian Missionary Alliance, our denomination, their 40 days of prayer. And so we are on day eight today. And so if, you, if this is new to you, don't worry about it. Jump in day eight if you want to. We have a QR code. If you snap that, you will uh, get to... Um, the the actual day eight through this whole week of devos and they have uh, it's written from people all across the globe in our in our alliance uh, community and um, it, there's a short devo and some prayer prompts and all of that every day so if you want to do that with us that would be awesome day eight just jump in right now if you have extra time go back and read day one through seven if you don't don't worry about it uh, the other way that we can pray together this week is this is the week that our DR team is actually on site. So they arrived today, Dominican Republic. We have 15 of us that are serving there. And so one way that we can support them this week is by praying for them every day. They send out a, a daily email, things that they're doing uh, today, things that we can pray for. So if you go to our website at cccrochester.org uh, to the Pray tab, uh, you can sign up for their daily email alerts, and I would encourage you to do that. You can then step in with the rest of us as we pray and support them as they are serving this week. So just a housekeeping note, next weekend uh, on Sunday at 1145, we have our annual meeting. So if you are a member here, you are welcome to go to whatever service you want next weekend. Come back at 1145 and we will have some information for you there. As always, after every service, we have our prayer team down front. So if there's any way that we can pray for you, we can support you in that way, then come on down. Let us share in that together. Otherwise, have a wonderful weekend. Stay warm. We love you. We'll see you next week.